How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoley. Shoots, he scores! Yeah, this is it. This is what we do. Battling through it and finding a way. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Alrighty, here we go for a Thanks Bud Christmas episode, so to speak. Well, the day after Christmas, um, both of us have celebrated. And now we're back to talk about hockey. Um, we skipped last week just because it kind of seemed, you know, pretty straightforward. The Kings lost some games, wasn't great. Then they won some games. And um, then they unfortunately got shut out right before the holiday. But that's fine because we're about to turn the page. They play again Thursday. And they're still tied for first in the Pacific, technically, in points. Um, so not too bad. Yeah, it's uh, we needed a little break, and it seems like the Kings might have wanted a little break, too. So <laughs> right, now that yeah. things are interesting again, we're back. <laughs> I would just like to point out that it is still wild, first of all, that the Kings are near the top of the division. Technically, I think they're in second because... Um, Vegas, who is tied with them in points, has uh, more regulation or overtime wins and also has played somehow three fewer games. And I feel like it's been that way all season. (laughs) They've somehow always played three fewer games than the Kings, and it's super frustrating. But still, pretty cool that the Kings are where they are. (laughs) Yes, it is very cool that the Kings are where they are. Whether this will stay going into the playoffs, we shall see. Um, Because I'm vaguely afraid that we've just jinxed ourselves um right. and for a while like at the start of the season i was pretty delighted with what the uh the vegas golden knights were doing just because i was like oh new team they're doing well let's not like you know it was cool and now it's still cool let's be honest but also i'm mad at it <laughs> so right. like the one time that the kings are like hey this you know whole leading in the pacific thing is fun let's do it the night, the Golden Knights are just like, oh no, 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 no! We've got something to say about that, <laughs> right? Yeah, they couldn't have done the that Kings any other just have season. A break, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just want them to enjoy being at the top for a while. But no, there's always some team there that has to contend, um, which I'm sure is great, you know, generally. But as a fan of the Kings, is super frustrating. So yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights are around doing their thing, and the Kings are also doing their thing. I am super curious. I mean, we talked a little bit about how the Kings kind of have to watch out because if like goaltending goes down or anything like that, or they suddenly don't score a lot, they could be in real trouble. They've kind of been in this fun but precarious situation in terms of underlying numbers. Um, So they've got some work to do, and... I think they still have a lot of potential to keep doing well, but it's also just like, I don't know what to expect. Anything could happen as they, you know, head into the rest of the season. So true. It is very, everything is great. Everything is good, but there are injuries. And because it's been so good, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And there may not be another shoe to drop, but um, I don't know. I think it's made me more anxious now. Maybe I'm just an anxious person. When they're terrible, I feel bad. When they're doing great, I feel bad. So I, I think I just <laughs> have anxiety. Just satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just lost my thought there that fast. <laughs> it, Whatever. It's all it's all the holiday spirit. It just like <laughs> pushes everything from your brain. Uh, um, it was probably about injuries. Anyway, so let's talk about those really quick. Obviously, Jeff Carter is still out. Oh, that's what it was. There was a moment 
very briefly where they recalled Jack Campbell on an emergency basis and it was like, oh crap, are one of those two goaltenders who have been playing really well suddenly hurt and terrified me. But then they set him back down, so I don't really know what's going on there, if there's really a problem, but I hope not because I don't need it in my life. I don't need it at all. No, not at all, especially involving Jeff Carter. I need everything to go wonderfully. Yeah, I need everybody to stay healthy. Jeff Carter, we still have no real update on him. Um, he's still just kind of, at some point, maybe he'll be healthy again. So he's around <laughs> in Los Angeles as a person, but still nowhere near skating, and I hope that changes sooner rather than later, although it's already been a super long time. Um, uh, the kind of baffling thing is, so Kyle Clifford was out for several weeks, came back, played three games, and now is back on injured reserve. So quick appearance from Kyle Clifford, but he's back to not playing again, um, which is unfortunate. Whatever the issue is, apparently has either been um, re-injured or he's got new problems. I don't even know. I just know he's suddenly gone again. <laughs> This is why I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. This is why they give me anxiety. (laughs) I'm like, oh, cool. Depth is coming back. You know, people can rest. No one has to, like, push themselves too hard. I like Kyle Clifford. Um, And then he gets injured, and I'm like, oh, so everything's terrible. See, this is why the Kings are just, you know, jerking me around. (laughs) I can never chill out. There's always something to just make me so scared (laughs) of what could happen. But yeah, so I hope he gets well. I'm not even sure what the deal is with Kyle Clifford, but um, clearly it's a lasting issue, and that is unfortunate because he, I mean, Kyle Clifford, not known for scoring, but he's he's pretty fast and does some good things on the ice, so I would always like the Kings to have more depth. But it's always fun because sometimes he gets a breakaway, and you think maybe, and it doesn't usually happen, but sometimes. Right. Um, right. One day it'll have It's still It's still amusing moment. the... I like I will take the breakaway. I'm like, oh, look at you. <laughs> like, look at you running away from the pack. The fact that he doesn't score is like, OK, well, that's fine. But the entire uh, rest of it is still delightful. And yet this season, we've seen so many unbelievable things. If he was healthy, maybe some of those would go in. They've gone in for Trevor Lewis. So yeah. <laughs> come on. He just needs but more no. opportunities. And then eventually one of them will make it. Right. Yeah. Um, so there have been like a couple of cool things, though, is that both Marion Gabrick and Dustin Brown reached the 1000 games mark, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think they yeah, they both scored in those games, which is an added bonus. Marion Gabrick scored versus the New York Rangers in his 1000th game. But the Kings lost that game, unfortunately. Um, Dustin Brown fared a little better and that he got to be the overtime hero when the Kings played the Colorado Avalanche in his 1000th game. And, you know, what a nice little button on that cool day <laughs> for him to be like, yes, I'm still here and I'm also still making an impact. I like, okay, so every time... I like this whole thing where Marion Gabrick and Dustin Brown do cool things on their 1,000th game. Like, that's mm-hmm. very excellent. Because usually, it's the other way around. So, like, if a rookie needs to score his first goal or something like that, he should come play the Kings, and he'll probably do <laughs> right, it. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, if, you know, like, a team needs a break from their losing streak, or someone in a slump needs a hat trick, it's like, find the schedule where you play the Kings. Or at least that's what it feels like. Um, and it'll happen. So the fact that on their 1,000th game, they were real extra about it uh, is really fantastic. Once again, making me so excited about the Kings and lending to more anxiety. 
Right, yeah. I, it's awesome. I am so... Okay, two things, two separate things. The f- quick thing about Marion Gabrick. This is, I believe, now his fifth season with the Kings, right? Fourth or fifth? Which seems ridiculous because in some ways it feels like he's still completely brand new. <laughs> like they just got him. They just won the cup. But no, he's been here for a long time. <laughs> he's been a king for a while, which is kind of crazy to think about that... I mean, obviously, like, the bulk of his career was not with the Kings, but a pretty significant chunk has been now, and that's both really cool but also just kind of baffling because it doesn't feel like that much time has passed. I don't know. Does it feel like it's gone by really fast to you? It has gone by like it's really fast. I mean, maybe it's because he's been injured, (laughs) and so he just, like, hasn't been (laughs) around. So, like, technically it's been that many seasons, but in terms of actual gameplay or, like, us having to see him or think about it. Because remember at the beginning of the season, we're like, oh, yeah, Marion Gabrick's a part of this team. So uh, maybe it's just it's all blurring together. Or maybe we're just old. (laughs) It's just a whirlwind of (laughs) Marion. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is that it's just super cool that Dustin Brown has played all 1,000 of those games with the Los Angeles Kings, um, and that he was the captain for a long time, and that they won two Stanley Cups while he was the captain. Um, His career is just so endearing, and I, like, had this weirdly emotional moment watching it because they play like the videos of the former players, like guys he knows who are like, congratulations and stuff, of just being like really relieved even though now it's been a while after the fact that they didn't completely shatter his relationship with both the Los Angeles organization and Los Angeles as a city because there was a moment where things were kind of touch and go and I was really afraid they were going to ruin things for Dustin Brown here (laughs) and I was going to be so upset about it but we've made it through that was a very trying time there was a big world talk about like a roller coaster or like a whirlwind of Dustin Brown's career or life um, leading up to today and how well he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, it got super rough patch there, but he's made it through. He's having a great season. He is second on the team in points right now, um, so that's great. Uh, I'm just so happy for him. <laughs> like, probably more than anybody else on that team, anytime something good happens for Dustin Brown, I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing <laughs> that I've ever witnessed. Um, Do you ever, like, talk about him and then just find your hands flying up to your cheeks, just being like, oh, he's so great, (laughs) you know? Or, like, pressing to my chest. Exactly. One hand to heart. heart. (laughs) Feel very passionately about Dustin Brown's career and his happiness in the city of Los Angeles. May it continue for as long as possible. May the Kings win another cup. Just have three of them before you retire. Why not? That would be great. Oh, it was... Speaking of the video of the guys that they played, like a, there was a lot of former players who were still kind of around, like Matt Green or Jarrett Stoll, and it was just kind of strange to also like realize that those guys are not playing anymore. Um, Jarrett Stoll made this comment during his little video testimony where he was like, they had gotten really used to sort of trading back and forth depending on who was out for injury or something like that, where it was like sometimes Jarrett was ahead or Dustin was ahead, and he said like, oh, you, I guess you get the last laugh because you know you made it to one thousand, which was really touching, but also kind of bittersweet in a yeah, way. Yeah, that sounds like kind of <laughs> sad, just being like, oh, look <laughs> yeah. at you, you've made it, and here I am. I mean, Jared Soul's obviously not doing that bad for himself, right? Right. All things yeah. considered, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like, oh well. It sucks that we were, you know, like side by side this entire time and 
I'm out, but you're still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just kind of the, I don't know, it was like a weird sort of point on the fact that it, how cool it is to make it to 1,000 games, because sometimes you can get super close and still not hit it, which is um, kind of wild to think about. But yeah, Dustin Brown made it, and Guy's really happy for him, and he seems still really happy with the team. So I feel great. <laughs> I'm happy that Dustin Brown is happy. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting thing, this is from a week or so ago, but so everybody's kind of evaluating John Stevens now because it's his first season, you know, as head coach and not sort of an interim role or anything like that. Um, And he talked a little bit about what he's been trying to do and kind of paid a little bit of tribute to um, both Terry Murray and Daryl Sutter's coaching styles. Um, and what he learned uh, from both of them. And I thought it was just kind of interesting what his observations were about both. For Terry Murray, he said that he is, quote, extremely organized, detailed, and an X's and O guy, end quote. For Daryl Sutter, he says he is, quote, um, he really pinpoints key things that are important to winning and just how important preparation and emotion are to your hockey game. Um, And he goes on to say, I learned a great deal from those guys of detail and how those little things you can't measure like emotion and preparation have a difference in the outcome of hockey games, which is fascinating because I feel like, I mean, that was essentially why the Kings made the switch from Terry Murray to Daryl Sutter was like Terry Murray taught them how to be a more cohesive, effective team. And then Daryl Sutter, like when that kind of plateaued, they brought in Daryl Sutter to play mind games with them. (laughs) (laughs) And then... You push them over the top. So John Stevens' approach now is like, all right, how do I, you know, encourage them but not drive them crazy and also make sure that they're on top of the technical parts of the game? Um, so it's kind of interesting to, to to have him sort of witness all of this stuff over the last several years and then figure out what his own path is, kind of. Yeah, I feel like he is less of an extreme guy. I mean, when you look at him, you think that he means serious business, but in terms of, like, coaching style, I feel like he's a little bit more pliable or, you know, um, not as, like, rigid (laughs) or crazy in his coaching style. So he's kind of like a middling sort, and that seems to be working fairly well instead of being, like, Instead of getting to the point where you're locking your coach out with trash cans, I don't think it would ever get to that point with John Stevens. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. But so, but it also like makes me want them even more to make the playoffs because I would love to know. I mean, obviously, he's been with the Kings during the playoffs, but in that leadership role um, to see how he as a head coach kind of has to up his approach or change something or rise to that challenge because that atmosphere is already intensified so much um, that I wonder how somebody who does come across as like so cool and calm, like what does John Stevens look like when it's like, all right, you're the guy (laughs) that they're going to turn to in this crazy situation. Um, What you talked about is sort of not being as rigid and um, Dustin Brown even said that you know, something that he's noticed about John Stevens is that he's open to ideas. So it sounds like it's a little bit more, at least right now, of a collaborative process between the players and the coach um, and the rest of the coaching staff to sort of figure out what they want this new identity to be. Um, Obviously, it's not perfect, but it it was kind of like an interesting little window into like, all right, yeah, they're just kind of tinkering with everything and everybody's listening to everybody and we'll see what they make of it (laughs) by the end of the season. Yeah. And I like, I also like the idea of 
kind of like a nicer approach to things. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just like a very <laughs> soft heart. But um, after, like I, after reading things about, or just like all of us watching hockey and knowing things about Michelle Terrian, it's like not hidden. You know, he's like very open about just like openly berating and abusing his players. And I don't think that that's a positive for anyone. I think it's a great detriment both to their play and to relationships and to uh, humanity and mankind. So I like to see, <laughs> like, <laughs> no mind games or, like, you like if you kind of uh, experiment a little, that's okay, too. Like, not too technical. Like, so something sort of middling. Like, everyone work to your own strengths. You know, listen to each other. Don't berate them. Like, whether or not that's actually what John Stevens is doing, like, we don't know, obviously. But it seems like it might be less combative um and i wanted to succeed so maybe other people are like hey i don't need to you know spittle flying yell at my players to get them to do things this is probably a better way to do it um because i want everyone to be nicer it sounds so like i sound like a little kid i'm like please don't be mean but (laughs) it's just really terrible to hear like when players retire and start writing like books or tell-alls or whatever it is being like oh yeah they just you know, brought me into their office and berated me for two hours thinking that it would help my game. And mostly it just made me mad. That I that's a super good point, because every time I hear I mean, I think because of the way that hockey culture has been for so long and with NHL's coaches just sort of have a rep, having a reputation, a lot of them, of being that way, um, maybe not all like is in sane as Michelle Terrian sounds, but to some degree like that intense people just accept it but it is like kind of shitty like it would be better if you didn't have or didn't think you had to be a raging dick just to accomplish what you want to accomplish with a bunch of grown professionals there has to be a better way than doing things like that um I know I wouldn't respond to it as a grown adult person, but... Yeah, like, in my workplace, if someone berated me, I would not respond to that at all. Like, and I'm I'm not talking about being a pushover or anything like that. Right, right. I get, like, some people might not like you because you're very, you know, stern or, like, however you do things, whatever. But that's fine. As long as you're not just yelling at people for no reason, um, I think is a better approach, and I'm hoping it works. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're all aboard this positivity train, this collaborative um, effort we got going on with the Kings. Because I would love for stuff like that to con- to succeed. Yeah. in this league, twenty eighteen, no yelling at people. How's that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Please, unless they're like Corey Perry and they deserve it. But you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> sure. Then to your point about not being a pushover either, like the Kings have expressed, like they don't think that John Stevens is soft in that way or anything like that. Like. Ajay Kopitar was saying that he's a straight shooter. He's if you did good, he'll tell you you did you did good. If you did bad, he'll tell you what you need to work on. So um, he's not going to be dishonest or sugarcoat things necessarily. But yeah, it seems also just like a little less of trying to push people's buttons to get certain reactions out of them. Which um, you know, different times need different things, and they tried one way and it worked. And you know, it, they got two cups out of it. <laughs> um, but now they're on to something new and. I'm I'm just con- I continue to be fascinated by how it develops. Yeah, I think especially with like new players coming in and everything just has to evolve at the same time in the right way. So maybe this will work. I'm hoping so. Meanwhile, I mean, the Kings obviously have their own injury problems, but I feel like there hasn't been a ton of drama in the league the last couple of weeks. However, 
people are just getting super hurt because it's midseason and that's what happens. Um, Shea Weber is out. He had to be like sent home from a road trip that Montreal did with a foot injury. He's being shut down. Um, the Blue Jackets just lost both Cam Atkins and, and Alexander Wenberg. So, and they had also had um, Zach Wierenski has been like day to day with some unknown injury. So they've taken a major hit in terms of um, their roster caliber right there. Tyson Berry just went down for the Colorado Avalanche. So as we put an end to 2017 and head into 2018, teams have these kind of big question marks for some pretty key players. And so I think that'll make depending on how long these guys are out, some of them are pretty long-term injuries, um, could make the trade de- trade deadline seem kind of interesting. Um, and some years it's not, but this one could be a little, a little more activity. So I'm excited about that preemptively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be very exciting to watch how all of that goes on because I can watch, like, knock on wood that everything stays semi-okay with the Kings, but I can watch with sort of, like, uh, detached interest and glee as to what's yeah. going on with the rest of the league. Um, and hopefully that comment does not return to bite me in the ass. Right, right. Yeah. As long as the Kings don't have to do anything crazy, I just love to watch the drama unfold. Um, yeah, but no huge surprises for my team. Thank you. That's all I ask. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to mention that because it's something to keep an eye on. Like some of these guys might come back sooner than others. But if a lot of these linger we could have a little bit of a shakeup in the league when it comes to stuff like that for people trying to balance out their rosters. Um, But moving on to a story that came out a couple weeks ago um, about a former enforcer named Matt Johnson. It was a TSN long-form piece. Basically, I kind of just want to say everybody should read it if you hadn't. It was really fascinating, but it was about a guy who had played in Los Angeles um, and who, just to quote the article real quick, it says... Quote, in the spring of 2006, um, they, his parents, called a doctor who worked with the um, NHLPA and asked for help coaxing Matt back into rehab. He hasn't returned home since, and his parents haven't seen him in a decade. An incredible, like, heartbreaking story. The last that anybody had seen of him, he was in Southern California, out here somewhere. Um, As far as they know, he was homeless. Um, He's been dealing, obviously, with addiction, and he'd had a bunch of injuries and um, obviously was using pain pills to deal with that and it caused a lot of problems for him. It kind of just was another reminder of how serious and and sad um, things get for players when they deal with serious injuries and the way that there's still so much work to be done in figuring out like how to make sure players can take care of themselves after they leave the league. Um, because some guys like Matt Johnson just end up being forgotten. Um, I am very glad that it trends to people, you know, kind of releasing these sort of articles now. Um, I know that with the Players' Tribune, seeing people write all of their things with concussions or depression or, you know, any other myriad of things and, like, actually getting it out there and saying, like, you know these people who I talked to help me and, you know, I want to help other people and you are not alone. Um, I think it's very important and it's obviously extremely sad to see what can happen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with what's happening with Matt Johnson. And I'm glad that it's an, a more open conversation now, um, that it's being, it seems like it's being more seriously dealt with. 
or at least maybe people are more um, aware of not letting it get too far or like that far, I guess, you know, looking out for signs, maybe not turning a blind eye or just being like, hey, do you want to talk or something like that? Um, I hope that the slew of articles that are coming out now kind of reverberate and show people that they can, you know, say something they can on, on both sides, people who are suffering to, you know, reach out and know that they're not alone and that someone will help them and other people to maybe see, you know, that someone's hurting and maybe like reach out to them. So I'm hoping that these things will, you know, help the NHL community like going forward. I don't know. I feel like every time I read another story like this, it also makes me even more aware of the weird way the NHL still talks about injuries, like not being very specific about them. And I feel like if I trusted that that was solely for the player's benefit or at the player's request, I wouldn't really have as much of a problem with it. But I don't get that impression from the way that it's sort of used to kind of just evade the media. Um, and so I don't really agree with that. And so like, so recently, like Austin, Math- Austin Matthews has missed nine games or something like that total. He's back now, but he has been in and out of the lineup a couple times. And most recently, um, after the Leafs had said like, oh, he has some upper body injury or whatever, he just told reporters, I, you know, took a hit and I had been suffering from pretty typical concussion symptoms. Um, so that's what that was. And, you know, now he's feeling better, but it just kind of made me think like they're so vague about stuff. And I feel like it's mostly to protect the NHL as an entity. But at the same time, you know, you'll read articles like this one about Matt Johnson where it's like, oh, then they'll give them a bunch of painkillers. And, you know, as long as they're healthy to play again in the short term, cool. But I feel like that is also the area where it becomes like really critical to be really careful with people's bodies and brains. And um, it it's still this kind of weird space where on the one hand, it's like everybody is openly being like, oh, well, we should do better. But at the same time, you still kind of have this culture where it's like, but if you have an injury, don't talk about it. We'll sort of treat it, but also we don't talk about it. So we're not really even sure if these guys are getting the actual treatment that they need or the timeout that they need because we don't know what's going on. So it's also hard to put pressure on a system that works so hard to keep you in the dark about what they're doing. Um, And I don't really have an answer there. It's just something I think about kind of you know, because they're happening at the same time of like the culture around the NHL changing and at the same time, the NHL being really, really reluctant to do anything differently day to day, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I agree with that. And it's it's weird, too, because sometimes it's the players like I don't know which comes first. Like sometimes the players um, you hear about it in interviews and I certainly agree like believe that they are truly just like you know put a band-aid on it i'll go back out you right, see yeah. those people do that mm-hmm. but then it's also like well are they doing that because they know that that's the nhl culture and if they don't they're seen as weak or they're letting their team down or and i mean sure i i appreciate these people's resilience and their oh their grit <laughs> and right, all of yeah. that stuff But there has to be a line when you kind of have to be like, ooh, maybe I should look to my future and not just the short term of what's going on. 
Um, and it's always so apparent during the playoffs. Like, I get it. I know it's a big deal. This is what you've been working for. Like, this is your career. I understand. But then I read a bunch of things about horrible concussions and that have, like, changed people's lives or just, like, other things like that uh, that worries me a little bit. Like, I understand a player being like, put me back in, coach. But sometimes you have to be like, no, you can't walk in a straight (laughs) line right now. You told me I'm holding up three fingers. I am not doing anything. You know, like, Mm -hmm. there has to be uh, a give and a take some sort of balance there because – I, that, I do think that that's a cool thing. You know, someone knocks their tooth out and they're just like, whatever, let, the game goes on. Fine. But with things like brain injuries, um, with things like mental illness going unchecked, uh, with things like a chronic pain that's just getting cured with painkillers and not a lot of follow-up or, you know... Um, kind of like people looking over what's going on, monitoring and things like that, uh, worries me a little bit. And I don't know which ones kind of like the players obviously, you know, do that. The NHL kind of calls for it. And I don't know which one is going to give first or which one needs to, you know, I, I too don't know an answer to it, but it's, it's something that definitely needs to change. Yeah, it's it's kind of the big question that I always come back to is like who ultimately is responsible like to make those calls. You would hope you would hope the player is looking out for themselves, right? But like you said, if they're just trying to make sure they still have a job, <laughs> um, they might not always make the best decision for their health as long as it means they're still producing for their team. Then you hope maybe the coach will uh, be the person who is like looking out for the players, but they are also sort of under the pressure of I this I'm guiding this team that needs to win in order for me to keep my job and for these other people to keep all of their jobs. Um so it's it's really tough and and I don't there's not a clear answer but it's also as like I feel like for me in at least now I wish there was more transparency and I feel like we're slowly getting to that place but um it it's not fast enough. <laughs> I wish it was faster. Um and in the meantime then we end up you know reading these stories way later about people who struggled a lot afterwards and um with with Matt Johnson I hope they find him because that was the sort of interesting note that the story ended on is they still don't know where he is for sure um and I hope his parents at some point are able to reunite with him and and he is able to get better yeah that's really just really sad to to like to read about and to know that you could be walking around and that person that you kind of just eyes glance over yeah is your former uh your former teammate Right. What a trip. I can't even imagine. And apparently, like, guys who work in the L.A. organization have happened across him at times over the years. Um, and, and yeah, it's – what do you even do? I don't know. No one knows. It's Yeah, what do you do? And, like, will he accept help? Because yeah. sometimes that happens, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's – it's just a rough and a, a very, very sad situation overall. Yeah. Um, so on the complete other side of the spectrum. Yeah, there's no good segue from that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> there's, there's no good transition. Yeah. From people who have, are, you know, at the end of their careers, all the way back to people still trying to break into this very tough league and make a name for themselves. Um, obviously, after Christmas means that the World Juniors tournament has started. It is no secret that I love World Juniors. I'm so excited about it. Um the games already began today, some opening um, ones. 
There are Kings players who are on these teams, so let's talk about them real quick. We got three prospects in the mix. Kale Clegg, who also played last year. Um, Mikey, he's playing for Canada. Mikey Anderson, who's playing for Team USA. And um, Jacob Overar, I think is how it's pronounced, (laughs) is playing for Sweden. I even looked this up and I forgot already, but I think it's (laughs) Overar. Um, He was drafted in... 2016, I believe. So yeah, some some people to watch. Kale Clegg has been doing a lot in general. Like he's been really good for his teams, um, his junior team, and also he was good, pretty good last year for Team Canada. So he is especially someone to keep an eye on. Um, and then a bonus player who I want to talk about a little bit, named uh, Kyler Yamamoto, who is part J- Japanese, Japanese American. Um, and also a former junior king, which is exciting. Um, I think maybe we have mentioned him at least once because he played with the Oilers. I mean, unfortunately, he's an Oilers prospect. Yes. But but, but uh, when he was 14, moved from Spokane, I believe he is from Washington, who and came to Los Angeles to play with the Junior Kings program and like graduated from it. He's like a full product of Southern California in that way, which is always super dope to me. I. I mean, we love California kids, and I love anyone who's, um, you said he's half Japanese, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's half, part Japanese. I think it's, like, his grandfather's Japanese, but I don't know if his parents are, um, or, like, full or whatever. But anyway, yes, he's Japanese-American. <laughs> see, because I really love when Asian players are in hockey, because you don't see a lot of it. Yeah. We as a people tend to be very little. <laughs> um, right. Also, it's not a sport that's commonly uh, in Asia. But <laughs> right. that's why I like when the Kings went over there to China so much, because seeing these tiny little ch- Chinese children look up to the Kings and get things signed oh, was yeah. so <laughs> delightful to me. I'm like, yes, like, look at this. See how cool this is expand the sport make this your future um is just very it's very neat so i always like when asian players um do well in, and like, kind of appropriately speaking of like the height thing he's tiny <laughs> kyler or kyler i keep saying kyler kyler yamamoto is a small dude he's like 58 um and the kind of the reason why he got a lot of buzz at the beginning of the season when he was up with the Oilers for his nine games um, was A, because he's really fast and really good, but also people are like, oh, crap, like, he's kind of like the next Johnny Gaudreau, obviously another small American player who has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, But yeah, he's got good hands, he's really speedy, and he's really tiny. (laughs) Um, And he kind of had this whirlwind experience of, like, a, being in the NHL for nine games, playing on a line with Connor McDavid for part of it, playing against Sidney Crosby while he was up with the big club. Um, so it was it was wild. And he is now – he scored in the game that the U.S. played today against Denmark. Uh, so that is somebody who I think is one to keep an eye on because he's a lot of fun and um, – kind of special because <laughs> like you said we don't have a bunch, a bunch of like Asian players in the NHL it's always dope I'm excited about Kyler also you're right because he's small he you know is fast in opposition to that and I like a good flat fast player yeah like I think we're moving away from the whole clobbering I want to murder murder you into the boards thing so seeing fast players and to see like have a you know a litmus of hey you can be small and fast and succeed 
like Johnny Goudreau, mm-hmm. I think is great and makes me want to play hockey. Yeah. Um, another fun little tidbit that I had forgotten about and then was reminded of today is that uh, Kyler is also really good friends with Tampa Bay Lightning player Tyler Johnson because they are from the same hometown, but also because Tyler Johnson's mom was Kyler Yamamoto's coach for from like ages two to eight or something like that um which is amazing (laughs) so uh they there was like some profile that they did on him a while ago and she had this little they interviewed her for it and she was talking about how you know I think a lot of the reason why he's so quick with the puck and good with his hands now is because you know as even as like a little tiny kid we were practicing making sure that stick handling and um, being smart on your skates was really important <laughs> and she was someone who really rooted for him and molded him and that's really dope because I feel like you know moms don't get as much credit <laughs> sometimes so the fact that she coached this kid who's now really exciting for people and poised to do big things in the NHL um, obviously in addition to her own child um, <laughs> is dope <laughs> yes, also also him. <laughs> yeah. also Tyler Johnson has been playing in the NHL and is good um, yeah. oh how lovely is it does she have like two jerseys oh I don't know I assume she does how cute would still that close. be yeah so yeah oh no I'm getting all emotional <laughs> yeah so be excited about Kyler and obviously about Team USA, who won 9-0 um, in their first game. Great time. Yeah. They're, USA. Yeah. USA. Of course, the defending champs, they won gold last year. They are not projected to win gold this year, but that's okay. They can still surprise some people. There are some other good players to keep an eye on, too, for Team USA. Um, Casey Middlestat, who was drafted really high, third, fourth or something this past summer. Yeah. Um, and Brady Kachuk, who is the brother of, uh, uh, what is his name, Makachuk on the Calgary Flames. Um, I'm hoping that he's a better brother. Um, I think so. <laughs> I personally think so, but I don't know if my personal feelings really factor into it. Uh, but yeah, he's good, though. Um, so that's a couple other players to watch. I, I think another one is Adam Fox, who is, if you are someone like me who likes a like a like a big defensive boy who also has some offensive skills. I'm talking about Zach Wawenski here. He's kind of this year's Zach Wawenski, it's been said. <laughs> so that is somebody else to look out for. Yeah. So yeah, World Juniors, fun times. I'm excited for it. It's it's nice to see, like actually see these people like on TV and be able to skate instead of uh, trying to like read notes or things. Right, about right. Them. Yeah. Um, to actually like see them in action is excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I don't pay a ton of attention to guys coming up. I mean, a little bit, but once it starts to get into this time of year where it's like World Junior time, suddenly I'm all about it. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Unfortunately for us USA people, Canada is really good this year. So they have a (laughs) real chance of winning gold again. But that's, you know, it's fine. It's okay. We'll make it through. Also, they have two players named Kale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is their team like a California detox <laughs> Oh, man. There was like a, they had a funny little conversation, the two Kales, because they spell one, obviously, is the Kale Clegg, the King's prospect, who spells it with a K, and then the other one is a Kale with a C. So they had a little bit of, of a debate <laughs> about the, of which one's the, the right. correct way to be Kale. 
Um, There's also a Callan, a Connor, a Colton, and a Parker. That is absurd. (laughs) Can Canadians get it together? Come on. Enough of all of that, really. (laughs) If if you needed any more evidence that USA was just superior. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Names. Oh, man. So that is what is going on for the World Juniors this year. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Again, it's been kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. Is there anything on your mind before we finish? Um, Nope. I'm just excited to go into the new year because um, it always just feels like a little bit of a page turner. And sometimes I feel like people sort of like reset even though nothing really significant has happened, mm-hmm. except for it's now 2018. Right, it just feels fresh. Um, <laughs> it just feels very fresh. So I am hoping that the Kings keep chugging along um, and maybe actually get... I hope the Golden Knights lose a bunch. Yeah. I'm sorry. Those three games <laughs> that they have point, on the I'm Kings, just like, Those three games that they have on the <laughs> Kings are really... They need a losing streak or something. <laughs> they need... You know, all the teams have experienced that. I think it's their turn right now yeah. to experience some sort of horrible losing streak. Please. Um, just for a little. Let's... I'm not asking for, like, everything. Just just a little so that the three games in hand are... Like, I just want it to be a little bit more balanced. Come on. I want the Kings to go on another little bit of a winning streak and uh, BGK yes. to be on a little bit of a downslide and then all will be right in the pacific division by our standards by our standards <laughs> um i'm gonna need trevor lewis to score 12 goals yes please <laughs> is that a big ask i don't know <laughs> um but hopefully because i'm going for 20 oh yeah we're, we're trying to make it to the 20 mark that's you got a ways to go trevor oh even better it would be 22 i'm not gonna say 22 <laughs> because that's like the already bonus. pushing it that's way pushing it but 20 come on please trevor let's let's get to 20 um i would eventually like an update on jeff carter <laughs> can jeff carter play yeah. i would like to see jeff carter play some more games for the los angeles kings this season that's what i want out of the the 2018 part of um this season is jeff carter back at some point that's really all i need and the kings to make the playoffs but also jeff carter yeah also it's because like he's not none of the kings are really that active on social media so i would just like to know that he's okay right, right. like if he were just posting <laughs> things i'd be like all right he's doing fine i know that he has a newborn so he's probably very busy i see him but... like stuff on instagram occasionally so i know he's around but that's all i know about jeff carter he's just liking things on instagram because he has a baby strapped to the front of him just like walking her around trying to get her to go to sleep yeah um, by the way, speaking of people on his Instagram, uh, Tyler Toffoli and his fiance Kat had little cupcake hats for Christmas, yes. and I they're amazing. <laughs> That's what I, I just wanted to say that. It's wonderful. They are amazing. I also think, I always forget that uh, AJ Cook oh, yeah. of Criminal Mind fame <laughs> yeah. is like friends with everyone and is also like a huge Regeer fan. Let me just throw oh, that right. in there. Oh, right. I forgot about but that. But <laughs> she had, I saw on Instagram as well, um, like Tyler Toffoli playing uh, like NHL whatever year it is with her kid. And he was also just wearing the cupcake, cupcake hat, oh. just idly playing um some video games Wonderful. and i thought that was really I charming speaking of random people on instagram and celebrities who are friends or into the kings brie larson 
Yes. So Captain Marvel has a Dustin Brown jersey, was really stoked about his overtime goal. That's pretty great. <laughs> um, I like anytime big people who seem like they're going to do great things also like my favorite hockey team. That's all I want out of life, really, <laughs> um, is for people to like the same sports that I do. So we have a superhero on our side, folks. Feel good about I it. I know. That's that's. I love that she has a brown yeah. jersey. I like when people Legit. have brown jerseys. <laughs> that's like, that's awesome. And she was at the game and she was wearing it. I'm like, yes, that is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really all we want is for the Kings to continue to do well, um, for Jeff Carter to come back, for other teams who are in contention for first with the Kings to do less well, (laughs) and (laughs) for uh, more fun, famous people to continue to enjoy the Kings also. Sounds pretty good, like a good plan. Oh, and Trevor Lewis to score 20 goals. That's what we want for 2018, for the start of 2018. I think it's all doable. Uh, Yeah. Dustin Brown should also probably do some more things. Yeah, I would like a Dustin Brown hat trick this season. That's what I would like for Dustin Brown. Ooh, that would be wonderful. So. Preferably without, like, the threat of a trade. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's what happened last time. I don't need any of that. Just for fun. uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hat trick for fun, not for for show. Right. Not a hat trick for your life (laughs) and your job. (laughs) Just because it feels good. Oh, man. All right, guys. Um, Enjoy the rest of your holiday weeks. Uh, Have a great New Year's. Be good to each other. Take care of yourselves. And we will talk to you in 2018, I guess. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.